every climber has their favorite area. Mine happens to be the land that is called Indian Creek. It is part of Bears Ears National Monument. It's my favorite place in the world. It's the place I want my ashes to be scattered um, when I'm done with this life. It's my favorite in a very strange way. It was very much an acquired taste. It was really just another spot on the circuit for me in my younger days. Yosemite was the ultimate. The Black Canyon was the ultimate. Zion was the ultimate. And Indian Creek was a place where I usually drank more beers at night than pitches I climbed during the day. But over the years, it became my favorite. It became a love affair. And now that I'm at 41, going on 42, I want to give back. And I realize the way I can really give back the most is giving good information and how to interact with this delicate landscape. And every time I see a fire pit that shouldn't be there or toilet paper or things like that, it makes me upset and it makes my friends upset as well. But I also know that it's ignorance and I also know that I've had that same ignorance. I've probably taken more poops in that place (laughs) and left it behind than any of you will. Um, So I want you to learn from my mistakes And that's why I'm bringing in um, Tim Folks, my um, character in the book. We're going to have a little conversation about things revolving around Indian Creek. And we're going to start off with a lot of poop. Welcome to episode 20 of the Dirtbag State of Mind podcast. We are into the bonus season. Really, the only thing I want to say here in this bonus terrain is the best way to support the climbing zine is to subscribe or to pick up a zine or some merch uh, or a book. And here we are with a great conversation with my good friend, Tim Folks. Everybody poops in Indian Creek. sitting here with Tim Folks, character from American Climber, a uh, best friend of mine, one of my two best friends named Tim. Uh, we can get into that a little bit later. But I want to start this, um, this isn't necessarily an interview, but more of a conversation geared towards people in Indian Creek, primarily geared towards new climbers in Indian Creek, but I think maybe every Indian Creek climber could glean something because I think together we have 40 plus years of climbing experience here. But I want to start off with a tiny little story from this weekend. And we want to talk about Indian Creek ethics, but I think there's a a place to talk about attitude right at the beginning. And this weekend I was hiking up to our wall, cave wall, which is in the book. And it's kind of cool because we're, we're five years out from the end of the book when we found the cave wall and we were super stoked. And we started putting in our work, but I was coming down from the trail and ran into some people and some people were stoked and it was a very busy day, which happens about one time a year out here. And this guy comes down and he's like, oh, it's so busy up there. I can't find anything to climb. He was kind of just in a bad mood. And I was in a great mood. I was hiking up. I like to see people up there the one or two times a year. Uh, it's like a regular wall in the creek. I wanted to start off by just talking about that because, and you guys had an experience up there too, and it was busy. I feel like there's something to be said about our group of friends and the fact that we have chosen to be positive, inclusive, and always having a good attitude at the crag and always bringing that vibe to other people. And so that's where I want to kind of start. And I know we wanted to get into the poop, but uh, what, do you, what are your thoughts on attitude? And, and do you think that is a good place to kind of start with if you're new to the creek and you know it's getting more crowded, but there's so many cracks that there's always a crack to climb. So, yeah, I guess that's that's great place to start. I mean, expect crowds, folks. Expect it. Get used to it. We escaped. We went to the farther outer reaches of the creek, Indian Creek area in general, to escape. But that was years ago. And the creek has expanded drastically. And this isn't a statement about the guidebooks, um, the bloom books made a major change in the creek that the old schoolers hated 
And now people are scoffing, certain people are scoffing at Carl Kelly's book and saying, oh, that's overcrowding the creek. That's not the case, folks. It's almost the opposite, yeah. That yes. It's spread people out in a way mm-hmm. that's been good. Exactly right. So there is one thing that it has. It has. There's so much information out there now. There's so many walls that have been up forever um, that nobody has really known about. So there is an opportunity to go out and find some solitude. Here's the other thing that's hilarious, folks. You'll drive by. Uh, Scarface isn't a good example anymore because I think it's more popular than Supercrack. I'm not sure. but This uh, weekend it was, yeah. <laughs> we're, we're, we're recording this in an, a busy October weekend, and like I said, Tim and I have both been climbing out here since the late 90s, early 2000s. And, uh, you know, we're, it's, it's always been growing, but I think this weekend is maybe like the most <laughs> traffic we've seen in like a mid-October weekend ever. Yeah, it's pretty incredible that you can find that obscurity. But the example I was going to give is you drive by, let's see, the Finn and Broken Tooth, for example, parking lot. And one day there's going to be one car in it. And then the next day, unexplicitly. I can't use the word. Um, <laughs> Inexplicably? That's the word. Um, it's, uh, we went to Western uh, Western Colorado <laughs> University, folks. We, no, uh, we didn't. We oh, went to college. Western State College in Gunnison. When it was a college. It a university then. No, it's a fancy university. Um, the, uh, there's a thousand cars. So yeah. it's like everybody plans and then, and then it looks like everybody planned to go to the same place, but it's just something that happens. So It's random. Back yeah. to what Luke started this conversation with was... What happened here at, at Cavewall, which is a pretty obscure place in general, still, and oh, I think will be. But for whatever reason, I've uh, been climbing here, for example, for the last four days, and then one day, everybody's here. And that brings us to attitude. Sure, great. If you go up to a crag and you have it all to yourself or just a couple of people, other groups besides your group, um, you're probably going to be able to do whatever you want. Everybody's going to be high-fiving and having a great day. Hopefully, you're also sharing gear. That seems to be happening less and less in these days, too. Where I remember the old days where nobody had enough gear. Yeah. And the gear wasn't that good. Yeah. You had Ford friends. You kick them in the crack, and they spin upside down. You're like, oh, gosh. But people shared gear. That's how yeah. we got up climbs out here. Mm-hmm. People you didn't even know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I remember uh, this is a good point because – probably 2001 we were about to get on super crack with a bunch of twos and i'll never forget this guy he just walks up to us hands us three threes because anyone who's climbed super crack knows it's more threes than twos and just handed them to us and that that kind of gesture um i think defined our indian creek experience i think there's still a spirit that goes on today but i i think that you need to check yourself if you think this place is just for you. And just because you had solitude one weekend, you're not going to have it um, another weekend. But let's let's get in right to the simplicities of this place because, you know, Tim, you're a, a mentor to me, even though we are the same age. And even though I actually took you to Indian Creek for the first time. Oh, you did. You know, I think climbing's weird like that because mentorship, sometimes you think about someone being older, but... You worked and um, managed crews in this area for a good decade plus, and you learned some tricks of the trade. And I have used so many of your tricks of the trade, and I wanted actually in the back of the desert to put a list, like a gear list of things you should bring to Indian Creek that you shouldn't think of. But I think we got to start with poop. And I want to start with a little story from two weekends ago, and I was posting on this on Instagram. I'm sure a lot of people listening follow us on Instagram. There was a case where we were at our campsite, and our campsite, we camp in a wash way, way, way away from everything, and we pack out all our poop. And it took us years to kind of figure out a good system, but as we're walking to the crag, we hike over a little hill, and then we go into another wash, and Dave Marcinowski just comes across, one, a fire pit that was built in an area that was just crushing crypto, which is cryptobionic soil we can talk about later, or cryptobiotic soil. Um, but there was just a tree, <laughs> cryptobionic soil, that sounds like <laughs> some Mars shit. But he just came across this tree, and there was just toilet paper everywhere. And I have to assume it was just someone who had no idea that, you have to pack out your toilet paper. Like if everyone that took a shit here or took a pee and needed some toilet paper, if they did that, this place would be totally trashed. 
And Dave Marcinowski, great guy, picked up all the toilet paper, tore down the fire pit, and we tried to find these people to kind of talk to them. And Dave, you know, he was understandably pissed. But Tim, what what advice do you have of, you know, I think it's advisable, I'll, I'll preface this with, I think it's advisable to camp in the designated campgrounds if you're new to the creek. Creek pasture and Super Bowl, especially because they have toilets. Yeah, I think that's a great uh, point, Luke. We started talking about attitude, and we, we veered off just a little bit, but it, we it starts with <laughs> it starts with attitude. Is this? Do you think this is just your place? Uh, do you think that this is just for you and your friends? Because I used to think that, so I'm not pointing fingers here, but I had to learn that it isn't. So one, I would agree that you, if you're new to the creek. Maybe start by going to one of the campgrounds that has the bathroom. Sure, you gotta pay to. That's hope the Zine Dog and you Pippa. <laughs> pay to camp there, and yes, it used to be much less expensive than it is now. So I understand that, and I understand if people can't afford that, the dirt bags, and then uh, to pay what is it, fifteen dollars a night now, maybe. And those campgrounds have have changed. They have when the BLM built them up. They change. There's different people there now, not just climber camps anymore. And I think that's a, another reason why people are seeking to not use those campsites. But here's the problem. I don't mind, honestly, I'm not telling you that you need to pay and I don't. What, what we're saying here is you need to be responsible and you need to treat this place uh, like the beautiful, majestic, irreplaceable place that this is and i'm gonna tell you that anywhere popular uh bridger jack camp sites i can't even call it a campground there's no bathroom there right cottonwood camp there's no bathroom there and i hear it's getting ever expanded um, yeah it's messed just up just by heavy 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 use here's the concern when you go out to those places though and you drive through to go climb at the bridger jack towers or you drive through Cottonwood Camp to go climb at uh, Way Rambo or Pistol Whip, for example. I don't see buckets. Just tell me, describe your your pooping experience <laughs> this morning. What uh, are you pooping in? My pooping experience just <laughs> happened recently. Man, it was great. I good, woke up. Good. I was like, man, dude, I gotta poop. I mean, I'm sure most of us experience those feelings. I gotta poop right away when I get. Up. I know some people can hold it for a day and. I can't. I poop right when I get up. I got to poop right when I get up. So, so were you pooping in a bucket? So how we do it now yeah. is uh, we used to use river groovers, but once they filled up, they were rough business. <laughs> then you got to go get them pumped. Either you do it yourself or you got to go pay somebody yeah. uh, to do it. Um, and I thought that was great for a while. Cool. I, I just felt good even though I paid somebody to pump them out because uh, I knew that um, I was doing the right thing because I can look back. When Luke and I were coming here uh, 20 years ago, and we were pooping everywhere. Yeah, we we've, uh, we've made all the mistakes. We're not trying to be on any high horse here. And if you know me or Tim, you know that we're not like that because we've made every mistake in the book. Be, but mistake. the creek is too popular now for you to make the same mistakes that we've made, and you can learn from our mistakes, especially if you're going out to the creek for the first time. So, so what it looks like for yeah. us is uh, we've gone to simplicity. Mode. There is the wag bags, but we don't use the wag bags in camp. It's too expensive. But we do maybe use them if we're at the wall. We, we got to take a poop at the wall. Everybody of yeah. our friends, or most everybody of our friends, have a wag bag in their pack. Yeah. Because um, that's another thing we will need to discuss at some point. Uh, but it's all part of this discussion, I guess, is... You know, folks, if you don't have a wag bag in your pack and you've got to go and it's a disa- it's about to be a disaster, you're going to go. Your right. body forces you. If that's the case, don't poop anywhere near the actual wall try to avoid yeah. cr- uh, crushing the crypto which we can talk about too uh, in a, a little more detail but that's why we carry wag bags that rest stop too uh we're not advertising anything but boy those things are phenomenal this podcast brought to you by rest stop two <laughs> better than rest stop one <laughs> book rest stop one <laughs> <laughs> um but in camp we have gone full simplicity and what that looks like is a five gallon bucket from a hardware store with a screw on or snap top lid and then we just double bag a kitchen size grocery bag and you do your business and then you sprinkle some kitty litter on it um, and the kitty litter really helps with smell too when you're driving out you don't have a sense of smell but most humans do yeah however <laughs> however though my nose picks up 
something very pungent. So I can pick, okay. I can pick up whiffs of that magic. Um, but it helps with <laughs> smell. And also, it also, we try not to pee with the poop in that environment, but it just happens. A little bit, um, yeah. So the, the kitty litter is great for that, too. And then you just take it and throw it away. Now, there's a lot of people who are like, oh, well, that's uh, creating a whole different problem. Well, I get it. Landfills are already designed to be what they are. Um, and the desert can't take any more of this poop in the ground. You may ask yeah. why. Well, you can dig into the science of it. I'm not a scientist, but there's not enough under the surface of this soil to break down that poop right. uh, like there is in the uh, forests of yep. the mountains. Yep. Um, there's not enough bacteria and other animals and insects to break that stuff down, as we said. So the be- the desert, the poop is just going to petrify out here, and it will never break down. And I will say this. If you guys ever go out to Bridger Jack Camp, there is a purple hill. Yeah, <laughs> And you can hill. see it from <laughs> Optimator Wall. And uh, literally, it's the purple desert on top, and it's all poop underneath. I can guarantee it. If you dig under there two inches, you're going to find 20 years' worth of human feces and those are and a lot of that's my own poop so again we're saying that we made a lot of yeah we've made all the mistakes yeah um you know and then obviously your toilet paper goes in that same bucket it doesn't just go flopping around um and that is uh, as easy as that folks uh a bag of trash uh, box of trash bags uh, a bag of kitty litter you can buy for a dollar fifty and a bucket you can buy for five dollars with a screw or snap lid the screw or snap lid is also critical because if you don't close your poop bucket uh, dogs will get into it and that is uh, a mess so make sure that you can close close that lid because we've had those issues in the past as well if you are not actually using a volt toilet or one of the open air toilets here at Indian Creek proper, please poop in a bucket, folks, please, or a wag bag and haul everything out. Or pack out what you pack in, please. Absolutely. Um, and I don't want to, we're like 15 minutes deep on poop and I, I want to talk about some more fun things, but I wanted to start with poop because I think it is the most important thing. I don't think it's cams. I don't think it's how much beer you brought. Uh, I don't think how much tape or tape gloves um, you need. I think it's poop. But let's talk about these the toilets that are there. Those didn't just show up. Those were like paid for by groups like the Access Fund, and they're paid. You know, I'm sure individual climbers that are listening to this, friends um, of Indian Creek, friends of Indian Creek, they've been paying for these toilets. And so they didn't just come out of nowhere, too. I mean, when we first started climbing here, there was zero toilets, maybe one at Newspaper Rock. Newspaper Rock, because that was different. That was it's a little postage stamp size state park. And they put those in the state put those in. So uh, if you want a real blast of history, we used to camp there. There used to be camp sites there. And we were like, yes, we come to the creek and we have bathrooms. Yeah, this is amazing. Well, eventually they put one in at Beef Basin, but honestly, I still don't think the BLM put it in for climbers. I think they put it in because there's a lot of motorized use, Sure, and that's where a lot of people park their yeah. trailers to pull off their Jeeps in there. There was no UTVs then, ATVs back yeah. then, and I honestly believe that's how the, yeah. the toilet uh, got funded, yep. because motorized users, as much as some of us scoff, a lot is paid when they pay for their stickers to register their, to use their equipment in uh, the state that they're using it in. Yeah. So I think a lot of it got paid for that way. It wasn't the climbers, folks. Let me yeah. just be clear. And, and uh, one last thing on our 20-minute our uh, pooping conversation is there's a toilet that was a memorial toilet. I didn't even think about this when we first started talking, but it's dedicated to our friend K-Bone, Kevin Volkening, who was just a really overstoker, cool guy, died in a, just a climbing accident. I think it was in Clark's Fork, Wyoming, I believe. And uh, the crew from Black Diamond, he worked at Black Diamond, was beloved and was beloved by everyone um, who met him. It was a young man who died, um, like too many young people who die in our sport, but they built this little toilet. So if you ever go, there's a wolf, he, he wore a wolf shirt every Friday. Like he'd be at OR and everyone would be all dressed nice and everything and he'd be wearing a tie-dyed wolf shirt. Um, and he was just the coolest guy. So if you're ever on that throne, um, that's inducing it up, it's in Super Bowl. Thanks, Tim. Yeah, think about our buddy K-Bone and, and he, uh, 
he uh, is memorialized in um, an action that I think is one of the most important things as taking care of this landscape and the dirty reality is that a poop is, is a very, very important thing for out here. But let's move on to some other things that you think are important out here. I think that I learned a lot from you. For some reason, I think about fires, campfires, and then I also think about vehicles. If you're treading off the main road, because we see a, probably a vehicle or two a year that has to get towed out of here. Um, every spring, someone drives into Indian Creek when it's too high and they go too fast. Um, but what, what are some things that you think are some basics that, you know, clearance is a big, big deal. Um, we've seen plenty of people lose oil pans. Um, you know, our friend Dane, who he's legendary for driving this Volkswagen out here into the boonies all the time. But he also had to go to the mechanic um, because he hit a rock. So, I mean, like Subarus, trucks are good entry vehicles. But what, what, what do you have in your truck that uh, you think a lot of climbers could benefit from? Simple things to help out uh, yourself or others if you're going to venture away from the pavement. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Which you don't have to these you days. You don't have to at all. Yeah, and or any know, days. You can have a little car and get everywhere out here that you want to be. And with Carl's book, Creek Freak, you can find everything that could give you a great dirtbag experience uh, just in your little car. But if you do want to venture out into Davis Canyon even more so into Lavender Canyon, if you wanted to do that. You need to have a few things. Clearance is number one. The Subarus aren't going to make it back there. Subarus can make it fine uh, back into Davis Canyon if you want to go visit the far end of Canyonland. And there's some climbing out here as well. As you all know, that's how you access South and North Six Shooter Towers if you want to go do those. But know that you should have a few things. You probably have a toe strap. Mm-hmm. And if you're a dirt bag, just have some big old locking carabiners that are just for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but your aluminum carabiners will stretch terribly if you're trying to yank a car out with them. So double them up. Uh, if not, you can buy a thing called a shackle, which is just a big steel. It looks like a horseshoe. And that will help, and that can hook you up to any car, anywhere, to drag them out. But one of the big things is just be smart. Luke mentioned about water. So out here, for example, in this wash, a lot of small cars can get back here. However, if it hasn't rained, like we're having this conversation right now, it hasn't rained out here in quite a long time. And so it is like baby powder out here. There is some bottomless pit sand out here. I've seen people disappear no, i'm kidding uh, <laughs> but the uh well, we got caught in a flash flood about two years ago oh gosh so yeah. that's a whole different whole other story but yeah 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 uh, but yeah. um if it if it hasn't rained in a while it's it's just super soft and you've got to gun it with a little car to get through everything and you're going to be bashing oil pans yeah and other things and cause a mess for yourself and others and then a high expensive tow bill if you actually have to get somebody out here with a with a heavy duty tow truck to come pull you out it's going to be a huge bill to take you all the way back to Monticello so know that Um, but if it has rained and then once the rain soaks in um, this ground can be very firm for quite some time and you can drive surprisingly about anything with some good skills and know-how also know just to put your tires up on the high points um, so that you're not breaking that oil pan but if you're just worried at all folks um, park your car and hike in. We see exactly. a lot of people park their car right off the pavement there at the entrance to Davis Lavender Canyon, past the first gate, and then walk in, and you ha- they have a nice day hiking out to the south. Six-shooter is what we usually see people do. Yeah. If you're concerned, don't break your car. It's uh-huh. not worth it. And the other thing Luke mentioned is watch out for springtime. Once you get that runoff, a lot of people will pull into the Beef Basin Road. Yeah. And you have to This is classic. Someone does this every season, at least one person. At least one person. Our our dear friend Adam Lawton. Lost a car. Another climber who passed away too young, who who is his... uh, I think a spiritual pillar of our community. The Climbing Zine book is dedicated to him, but he was legendary for trash and Subarus. The guy probably had a dozen Subarus. He'd wreck one every year. Yeah. <laughs> but he uh, he drove right into that creek and flooded his engine, and bye-bye Subaru. If that Indian Creek is raging, you sh- there's uh, so many climbs, folks, you can do. There's so many walls uh, you can do along the main pavement corridor. 
if if that water's up, folks, don't go in. Especially with your little car, you will your car will ingest water through. If it goes over your hood, it if water goes over your hood, it's your car is most likely ingesting water through the air intake, and your engine cannot combust water. It can't. It compresses water to the point of where what happened to one of Adam's cars, it actually (laughs) blew a hole out the bottom of his engine block, because we all have aluminum engine blocks or most of us cars do, and they can't compress water, or they compress water to the point of where it just pops. So know that, and cars always get stuck in there. And if you're also trying to go out to the Cottonwoods, you got to cross Cottonwood Creek to go to, like, Way Rambo or Pistol Whip, for example. If that water's up there, you're, it is so slick coming into there with the way that the road is and its steepness. You're going to get stuck, folks, so just pay attention to that kind of stuff. There's no climb out there that's worth breaking the the vehicle that takes you to all your dirtbag dream destinations there's no point and especially with this new guidebook you can find so many things to not get your car in a mess because as soon as your car's in a mess folks there's a whole bunch of other people that now have to help you yeah and yeah involving a bunch of people in something that was completely avoidable and it happened we see, we've seen it happen a hundred times and we've helped a ton of people yeah and speaking of helping you probably have jumper cables in your car uh, jumper cables but actually what's even nicer now than jumper cables and safer is they make these battery boxes now that are so cheap i was thinking about getting one of those with yeah. little clamps i mean they're so cheap and they'll jump your Big car yeah. with this teeny little battery box. Dude, they're like 60 bucks now yeah. on, on Amazon. That's a good reminder for me to get one of those. Um, yeah. Sarah's got one. Cool. Um, I should get one. I still have jumper cables in my truck. But, folks, they're so cheap because here's the other thing. You're at camp. You're bumping your jams. You forget about it. Yeah. You leave your key in the ignition. You wake up in the morning. You're all by yourself. Yeah. And now you're stuck. Yeah. Um, no one there to jump you. And even if you were there to jump you... Very few people carry jumper cables unless you grew up in a household where your yeah. mother or father was like, you need these specific things in your yeah. car. Also, folks, have a spare tire yep. and make sure it has air in it. <laughs> I was just thinking of Braden Gunham's incident. Yeah. <laughs> and make sure. Braden that- uh, broke down out here in this canyon on his donut, and then they had to, you don't want to end up calling a tow truck driver in Moab or Monticello. Occasionally your car will just die because I had a Subaru that just died just out here. Just straight up died. Monticello we, is closer than Moab we to the creek. It, though. We dragged it to a much cheaper location. That's true. Towed, though. That's true. <laughs> With And that's where the tow strap. Shovel. I'm guessing you're always packing a shovel. Always packing a shovel. Yeah. Always because uh, if you sink in the deep sand, the only way out is to dig your way out. And you do have to do a bunch of digging before you can do the towing. So a shovel, and for your dirt bags out there, you don't need to go buy a special shovel. Most of you probably have an avalanche shovel yeah. or two. Mm-hmm. Those actually make great sand digging shovels. Yeah. Um, and they can also handle help you deal with fires uh, if you're not in the campgrounds when they when it's legal. To yeah. Have fires per state and federal fire bans if that is occurring. And that's a perfect segue to talk about fires because... Like I said, we are camping in a wash, and I, I think that in some ways we're luxurious because we know this place so well. People say this place is so crowded, but me and you know we could we have walls that we put up roots on that no one ever goes to, and then we have walls like the cave wall that we've published and shared information, and we want everyone to enjoy it. It's not like we're hiding these other walls. They're just so obscure, and there's just so many walls that are out here, but we've seen an unprecedented fire season this year. I don't think humanity's ever seen scale of fires that are you know in a lot of ways man-made fires or or the the big situation we we don't need to dive into how big of a problem climate change is or anything like that but when you're having a fire out here tim you got your shovel and we build a fire pit when it's appropriate when there's not a fire ban you know i jokingly say that leave no trace is dumb because we always leave some sort of a trace but it's a good guiding principle because every time we have a fire that's not in those designated rings, we fill up the fire and we make it look like there was never a fire there, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. The honest to goodness truth too, people always are like digging. It makes it nice, but people also like want to ring their fire pits with rocks. Yeah. Honestly, folks, that's not necessary. It's an old habit that people have and it's not, it's just not necessary and it it blackens up rocks and stuff. Yeah. Tell us about, um, sorry to mean to cut you off, but you are a master in a beautiful fire pit. I've learned so much about that from you. Yeah, why don't you describe your kind of like your 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 awesome, um, perfect little fire pit in in a wash? Well, it's pretty it's pretty darn easy. Anybody can do it with twenty years of experience in the creek. 
I'm kidding. <laughs> Anybody can do it. Just take your shovel. You're, you're gonna be offering a master class just, on. Just, uh... dig down, <laughs> just, just dig down, just just a little bit. Um, oh, so this is great. Uh, the dogs are barking at our friend who is actually picking up his poop buckets as we speak. Yeah, Mitch. And uh, good job. Thank you, Mitch. Um, he's shout actually, out to Mitch. Shout out to Mitch who's carrying two buckets. Uh, they look heavy. Looks like somebody's been doing a lot of pooping. Good for that. That's good. Guy. You mean you're eating food? Oh, you're man. Eating, yeah. eating good. That's another thing you got to do with the creek is eat good. You got to um, eat good. But, um, but yeah, just dig, a, just dig a small, modest hole. We also don't need these giant bonfires. Now, people are going to hear my voice and say that I just said that <laughs> yeah. and say, whoa, whoa, you are known for, Timmy Folks is known for massive fires from some of our past experiences out here in the creek but the whole point is folks is just dig a small indentation just below the surface have a small modest fire bring your wood in we've got a pooper interrupting our podcast that's okay we're talking about poop crystal are you guys done with the shitter or can we take the shit back um no you can leave the shit bag <laughs> yeah you can leave the shit bag i might have to poop again <laughs> Everybody poops. Everybody. Well, that's a very nice gesture. And if you're with people, that's a good good point is offer to bring the poop bag. You're going to win some points. Mitch gave us um, some wag bags, too. Yeah, yeah. Um, rest up, too, right? Yeah, rest up, too. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck rest up, one. <laughs> uh, rest um, up, too, if you're listening. Uh, we are a fan of your product, and... Uh, you know, uh, we could advertise. Let's talk. But not rest up uh, one. <laughs> um, um, so you're, you're talking about your, your fire pit, a nice, small, shallow hole, um, big, maybe bigger fires at Creek's giving time. But that's kind of more in our past of, of throwing big parties. We have, like you said, anyone listening um, to us knows we've thrown big parties when we were younger. We're in our 40s now. Oh, geez. Yeah. Um, the other thing that's really important, folks, is there's not that many trees out here, and there's a gazillion people. Great point. Uh, bring your own wood. Yep. Okay, so um, bring lumber, scraps, bring, you know, go to a gas station and buy that exorbitantly priced uh, bundles of wood, or go buy Ted's wood outside, uh, Ted's firewood outside of Dove Creek. Uh, really good deals, $3 a bundle. Um but do whatever you can, but bring your own wood. Do not source wood out here. Don't Great be breaking point. off the cottonwoods, yeah. even with dead branches. Don't be breaking off the juniper trees, even their dead branches. The it's soil all needs part that. Of this ecosystem. Yeah, the ecosystem needs it. Um, so that's number one. And then when you're done, folks, just backfill. Put your fires out at night. It's easy. You don't need to use your precious water. Just put sand on it. Put your fire out. And then if you guys have big chunks of wood that uh, aren't have not burned and you're not going to have another fire the next night to burn all that stuff down to a fine ash, put it in a trash bag and take it with you. Don't leave that big, those big chunks of charcoal wood yep. out here. If you're now, if you're in the campgrounds with the metal rings, you can leave all that stuff, but you're going to have to be putting those fires out, not with sand. Cause they don't want the BLM doesn't want those filled up. They'll just put those out with water. Yeah. Um, so that's very different. We're actually describing how to do it here in a in a more primitive. And you're way. right. That's your your um, what you're describing is is we need to make sure we're yeah catering this to people. Uh, and most people are camping in the the main campgrounds, but we also want to teach people if they do venture out of uh, some little tricks of the trade that you've learned. But so you're saying water when when you had a big party the night before. We've all done it and maybe stayed up too late. Maybe drank one too many beers. Um, we we all to it and have done it, including myself and Tim. But that morning you still got a smoldering fire. You're gonna wanna you're gonna have some extra water to put that out. And that's a great segue. I want I want to talk some more about just the fun experiences we've had here and and how it's it's really, especially the last five years, have, have really cemented our friendship and we've had a blast and, and God put up maybe between our crew a hundred new roots. But let, let's talk about water and you want to bring a lot of water out to the desert, right Tim? Oh, my goodness, you do. And then a lot of people have dogs. I just want to mention one thing, too. Don't forget to also bring water for your dog. But I also want to mention about dog poop. Please yeah. pick it up, folks. Yep. Don't just think because your dog is of nature or looks like they're of an animal from nature. Please pick up your poop. We actually just had an incident the other day up at a climbing wall where one of our friends was hiking up, and he was talking to the people, was not looking down, and he stepped right in uh, somebody's dog poop 
and then had a very weird interaction with the person who said, oh, my dog never poops on the trail, as he has poop on his shoe. Yeah. Um, and then had to graciously give that said person a, uh, a dog poop bag uh, that they didn't bring themselves because their dog never poops yeah, on yeah, the yeah. trail. Now, if your dog's running all around and it poops out in the woods and or out out away from the trail and you can't find it, that's one thing, folks. But if it's straight up on the trail or out at the crag, please, please be respectful. Pick yeah. it up. Yeah. Take it with you. Bring some plastic grocery bags or go to your local park and pick up free ones from those from those dispenser things. It just I just wanted to add with that. That's so, a great, but great that point, But that reminded Tim. me about water is people yeah. always forget to bring enough water for their dogs. Um, yeah. It's hot out here, even in the shade um, a lot of times. But bring way more water than you think. And here's the other reason to bring way more water than you think, because there is honestly a dirt bag that you're going to meet that wants to stay out here for weeks on end. And if you can give them the last drags at your water as you're leaving, oh, man, it allows somebody to stay another day, yeah. another three. Yeah. If they couldn't, uh, we have some friends. Uh, we met some folks from Idaho that are staying out here, and their whole thing is, I was like, how long are you staying? They're like, until the water runs out. Yeah. So their whole vacation is based on water, <laughs> not on time, which is, I love the dirtbag ways so yeah. much. Um, but just bring a ton of extra water, folks. Um, it will... It will help you. I also have heard, uh, speaking of water, this is a a side, and I have not had this experience. However, you have, and as our friend Dane, is uh, cams are pokey. Mm. And we've seen a lot of people's water bladders explode in their packs um, because of getting poked with all these pokey cams. Um, So a lot of our friends have given up using the bladders. Uh, and ju- just gone back to water bottles, even though it's not as convenient maybe, especially as bladders have gotten much more prolific. But know that um, I've watched multiple bladders of friends blow up, um, yeah. and they just refuse to use them anymore. Yeah. Or, uh, or uh, as Luke might still do, do you still put your bladder on the very top of your pack? I Right now I've gone back to Nalgene's because my bladder's all messed up. Um, but oh, you're gosh, right. You I do put it. Doctor. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> My hydration pack. <laughs> so that's a that's a little trick of the trade I've noticed. I still use one. But my time is coming. I will lose all my water. I'll get up. I've watched many friends. The point of the story is I've watched many friends get all the way up to the crag ready for a day of climbing. And uh, they have no more water. And everything in their pack is soaking wet. Totally. You reminded me of something that I, I think we see a lot. We see it less because we're not in the main canyon um, a ton. We're out here in the boonies. But um, interacting with people and their dogs is never um, – if, if, if there's a shitty dog situation, like we've had friends who um, – you know, Jim Danini was up here this last weekend, and we had a friend whose dog ate – Jim Danini's sandwich, you know, which that, is like a... That was years ago, though. Right? That was years yeah, ago, yeah. <laughs> a cardinal sin, uh, you know, Jim Danini, if you don't know about him, he's an absolute legend. Um, you said he was, what, 78 now? And he came down the trail as I was going up the other day. He wasn't the crusty person. He was the nice person. But uh, he had a big smile on his face and looked like the happiest guy in the world. But it's it's hard to interact with people when their dog does something that is not great or you, know, you step in their poop. But I think there's a way to handle it, and usually those things can be resolved. And then I think talking to other climbers when they're on the climb that you want to get on, I think let's let's dive into that a tiny bit because I think there's an art to it. Because you got to kill people with kindness, and you know we we don't see a lot of attitude. We saw a little attitude this weekend of you know you went up to the wall and and you were you're you're probably the friendliest guy in Indian Creek that I would say you walk up to a group and you're like, Hey, how you doing? And these people are literally on a climb. We put up, we paid our money to install the bolts. We built the trail to the climb. It's, it's our land. You know, this, this land is your land. This land is my land, but you go up and you're the friendliest guy. And these people, the first thing they do is just bitch to you how crowded it is. And I wish I was there and I'm, I'm generally pretty nice too. I don't, I'm not like confrontational. I'm not going to go on rants, but away from the situation, I'll go on a rant to say, you know, this is an area that you developed and you created, like you, you put your blood, sweat and tears for these people to have this experience. And right away, they're just giving you attitude. And I'm sure you didn't give them attitude back. I'm sure you were still nice to them, but I think there's something to learn about how to deal with being at a crag someone's on the climb you want to get on 
And like making friends first instead of saying, how long are you going to be on this or whatever? Because there's always another crack around the corner. And you could also make a friend. How many friends have we made just striking up random conversations in the creek? Tons. Absolutely tons. So it, it, we started this conversation all this time ago with attitude. And I think all of these things we're talking about comes down to your attitude. Do you think this place is all for you? Or do you think this place is all for us collectively? If you think it's all for you, then your attitude, you're going to poop wherever you want. You're going to make a fire wherever you want. You're going to crush cryptobiotic soil. You're going to let your dog poop everywhere. And you're going to be the general hated person. Um, if you have a wonderful attitude, um, and I'm sure all of us fit in the middle of these, this, this spectrum I'm laying out here. Yeah. If you have a great attitude, you're going to go so much further. As Luke said, you know... There's a lot of people come out and they want to get on the very specific climb, but you know what? I'm over that. What I mean by that is, sure, you can wait in line all day long. I mean, and there's some crags where you're just going to have to, some walls where you're just going to have to if that's what you came out and you looked at something in the book and you're like, this is why I'm coming to the creek. And you saw that's that photo great. on Instagram. <laughs> yeah. yeah uh, what, Scarface? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, great. If that's your style, then that's your style, and I'm not dissing it at all. However, I will say... You go to any of these walls, there is something else to climb, folks. So go find something else. And if it's too hard, also making friends allows you to borrow gear if needed. This is going to blow some people's ethics. And if it does, then don't do what I said. But if you if it's something's too hard, eight up it. Put your rope yep. on it, and then you can have a rad time top roping and climb something way too hard. That's one of the greatest things about the creek. It's one of the most unique things about the creek. You can be a 5'10 climber and 8 up a 5'12, and then you can top rope a 5'12 and learn. Yeah. It's incredible if you have enough gear for it and enough headspace for it. Yeah, and I on that the other side of that, um, which we've seen on Anunnaki locks, we used to go to Optimator a lot, especially when we were developing the Dove Creek Wall because you can get shade in the morning at Dove Creek Wall and then shade later in the day at Optimator, a great little link up. Um, but we've seen people on Anunnaki that are way in above their head and they take too damn long on it and there's a million people waiting in line. And I think at a certain point there's the value of if no one's around, aid up it, and you've got a great top rope to yourself. But there's a lot of people around. Respect the fact that someone else is down there that could climb this thing in like two minutes and then wait your turn for a top rope. But I think this all just comes back to the attitude. belief that, yeah, the attitude in, um, I think, like you said, we're, we're all in this together. It was a little easier to have that attitude 20 years ago and there wasn't as many people. But if you bring, you know, I wrote my my Indian Creek guidebook essay because I spent a lot of time thinking about it. I think the last line I said is like, the more respect you just bring right away, like you go up to someone and just say, hey, how's your day going? They know you want to get on that climb. You don't have to say, oh, how many people are in line for this? Just say, what's up? You, you might even meet like your future wife or husband or good your best you might meet your best friend that way of just just go up to people and just give them respect right away don't don't ask about the climb they know you want to get on the climb and you're gonna become friends because there's just there's some cool people out here you know we're we're a little more disconnected than we used to be but i i have a lot of faith in that if you bring the good energy to someone 99 percent of the time they're gonna put it back to you and the people that don't you know fuck them that's exactly right um and i made uh you know, on that note, it was the same story. This just happened two days ago. Same story Luke said about uh, Supercrack and the guy handing him some threes. I'm going to do two things with this statement, but one is I walked past two gals who were just badass, badass in it out there because they'd climbed some other hard stuff, and I was like, whoa, these two are really getting after it, but I saw them getting on a very particular climb that I put up, so I know yeah. intimately. For example, it requires, unless you're really comfortable in sixes, it requires two sixes, Yep. one to leave behind and one to climb with yep. until you get through the crux. And the gal had one six and two fives, and I was like, hey, I don't mean to spray you down, and if you don't want my information, that's fine. I respect that, but I just want to let you know that there's no fives up there, and you're going up with hopes that there is. I have another six in my pack. Do you want it? And immediately she was like, oh, my goodness, yes. And I was like, you don't even need to haul those fives. She was like, yes, please. And then later I was climbing in a different part of the wall and she comes, finds me, brings me the cam bag, gives me deep gratitude. And then we end up hanging out for the rest of the day. My uh, people I was climbing with and then her and her friend. And then we were just spreading 
beta back and forth and hanging out and talking, and it was a, just a great experience. Um, whereas I feel like she would have gone up there and had a real tough experience, and it would have been a different day for her. Yeah. So that was really fun. There's a huge difference between, you know, the people who spray beta at you when you don't even know them and you don't, like, even want the beta. But then there's, there's a, a creep out left. <laughs> yeah, totally. Those people, we all know those people. We've all been those people. Or not all of us, but a lot of us have been that people because that's the instinct. But when someone's, like, safety is in danger and you know the beta – um, same thing happened to me on the Red Lady up there. These guys are about to lower off of it. And I said, you know, people get their rope stuck mm. nine times out of ten when they lower off. Don't do it. So I think if you have a little bit of safety beta, and, like, we're we're obviously, we're, we're not the oldest old school people. Like, Jim Danini's 78. We're in our early 40s. But We haven't climbed the creek for 20 we've years. We've been climbing the creek for 20 years. And if you look at the demographics of the people at the creek, we've been climbing here longer than 99% or 98% or whatever because the growth has really happened too. Uh, sorry, I kind of cut you off, but I did I did no, want to no, say there's a huge the beta, difference. That you know? was the beta spray down. That was the other piece. Yeah. You, you covered it, which yeah. was the other piece is if somebody's like, no, I'm fine, great, cool. Um, but I also, if I hadn't, if I didn't know that route, I wouldn't have said that. Yeah, yeah. I just knew that route. I mean, we're in a special situation, though. We climb mostly at the walls we develop. Right. Um, and so we know all those routes intimately. And so we just want people to have a good time. I have this instinct of I want everybody to come up to the wall that I put my blood, sweat, and tears into, literally all those things. Yeah. Um, and I want people to have the time of their life up there, which yeah. most do, except yeah, yeah, that yeah. one group. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, that was super cruster, but that's okay. And maybe the other thing I got to remind myself of is um, if somebody, if you're being the best you, if I'm being the best me, I'm like, hey, how's it going? Cool, man. Great. Um, oh, you guys are going to. You guys are going to be on this route a while. Okay, cool. I'm not going to get sad about it. I'm going to go climb something else. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, but at the same point, if somebody is just being super, uh, you know what? Honestly, folks, most climbers are not jerk people from my experiences, but we all have bad days. Yeah. We all have a bad experience. That's a great point. I don't know if that particular person that was like so that we all had our own separate, really wacky inter, uh, negative interactions with a couple of days ago. I don't know. Maybe they just maybe they just uh, had a huge fight it, uh, totally, with their yeah. spouse or uh, boyfriend lost a or loved girlfriend. One or, yeah, uh, they yeah. just lost a loved one. Yeah. We're living in COVID times. Yeah. We have the worst. Uh, our government is in deep disarray. Um, we're in a place where uh, was protected and now yeah. is, is on. You know, it could be yeah. anything. So mm-hmm. I just want to say that I need to remind myself, especially when I'm having a bad attitude. Cause yeah, I, I do a lot, and I have to catch myself. And I'm like, what? I am living my best life right now. I'm, I'm, I'm also doing something right now, which Luke, you always say. We are right now sitting in camp at Indian Creek on a Monday morning. Yeah. And what do you always say? Yeah, if you're doing, if you're hanging out in the creek on a Monday morning, you're doing something right with your life. See? Or you're unemployed and destitute. But that might be <laughs> that might be the right thing. Um, I, I wanna I wanna wrap this up because I know Tim um, and his lovely girlfriend Sarah are gonna go climbing at in the main canyon today. Um, so you might have an experience what? with Tim. You might uh, you might have a really positive experience with the Tim. The main canyon. What is like, that? Yeah. You'd be like, oh, I, I hung out with that guy at Supercrack that day, and he gave me a three. Um, but I, I, I do want to cover one last subject, and, and this is going to be um, – there's going to be another part where we kind of talk about more personal stuff because you are a character in the book, and we both share situations of um, – dealing with other people's mental illness and um you know the issue of suicide and big big stuff that we can probably have an hour and a half two hour conversation with but the last part i want to bring up is um encouraging people to not accept anything um that is another person's experience necessarily we all have our heroes and we all have people we look up to, and then we all kind of buy certain narratives. You know, I was writing in the intro of volume 19 that, you know, we used to look at the golden age of Yosemite in the 50s and 60s, but how could that be the golden age when like black people weren't even allowed in national parks and indigenous people were forcibly removed 
for their you know ancestral homelands for years that's one example of a narrative you just shouldn't believe but we believed it and i think only until recently a lot of especially like you know white people like myself and tim are are realizing the systematic racism of our country um the point i want to make is is much more um i don't want to say vague but much more on a personal level here you know i think the narrative i think we're the fourth maybe generation of climbers out here the first were the ancestral puebloans mm-hmm. uh, 890 years ago yeah, and for sure. we have discovered some stuff they used yucca ropes they used moki steps they were the original climbers no doubt about it no doubt and then you have the chuck We've been Pratt. On high points out here where yeah we found stuff are you like are you kidding anyway go on no that. and you can read about that in volume 15 yeah. len nesifer and josh ewing both wrote pieces about this subject the next round of climbers were the um the 60s, kind of going up to like Chuck Pratt, um, Doug Robinson, I know, have a story about climbing the six shooter. The south. The south. Yep. And maybe even something on the north. Um, and then I think the next generation, you know, that kind of goes up to Jimmy Dunn, Earl Wiggins, and, and that crew, Brian Becker, Ed Webster. Mid, mid to late 70s. Yeah, before cams. Yes. And then. Passive pro, hexes, baby, and they'd fall out right when they climbed past them. And then <laughs> there's the generation of, I'd say, when the cam was invented in the early late seventies, early eighties, up till the nineties. And we kind of came along, I guess in this third or fourth round of climbers, we were late nineties, early two thousands. And get this, we, when we first came here, when we were first climbing our first experiences of super crack and battle of the bulge, we met the previous group guys <laughs> that were still wearing swamis. Yeah. <laughs> That was, was hilarious. Like we met Leonard Coyne. Yeah, we, yeah. We met a variety of other old schoolers. I forgot about that. Oh my goodness, so funny. Yeah. They were so impressed because you, uh, we did binge and purge, Ugh. and they uh, and they were like, "Oh well, you're not climbing those easy hand cracks. You're doing something cool." I remember uh, Leonard Coyne was all impressed with you. And now we're the next. Um, I think we're the next. The next generation. We were the next. And then there's the era, which I think began when the creeks really started to get more and more crowded, maybe 2012-ish, something like that. The creek gets more crowded every year, and there's statistics on that. But the point I really wanted to make is there was a narrative, I think when we first started climbing here, they are like, oh, everyone wishes they could have been Steve Hong to climb these splitters that have never been climbed. And Steve Hong has probably the most impressive list of first ascents in the creek. But we, it was a good 15 years we were climbing here, and then we realized we could um, kind of write our books, paint our paintings, and we've discovered some nice first descents. I don't know if that's everyone's journey, but you know, I think a lot of people don't even come to the creek because they say it's too crowded these days, and there's plenty of validity for that. But don't believe the hype. You know, I was recently, I'm going to go all the way out to Thailand for a second. I was recently in Thailand and people were like, well, don't go to Tan Sai because it's too slippery, you know. And the beach was crowded. It was a mess. But the climbing was fantastic. And, like, if I, I kind of let that get in my head, you know. Like, we all let get let things get in our head. But I would say these these last five years of my life climbing out here have been... I've had two great eras, I think, when climbing big walls when I was younger, and I just don't have that appetite anymore, but I feel like we are in this prime right now. We're in our early 40s. Um, our buddy Dave Marcinowski just climbed his hardest crack climb out here, this route called The Queen, Purple Rain, 513 minus, you know, 40 meters of .5s, a route we found and put up. And we're all climbing. You're climbing at a great level. You got a nice project right now that's right at your ability. Probably the it might be the hardest, one of the hardest sends you'll ever have. Um, For sure. And we're we're in our early 40s, and, and we're not normal. Like I sometimes think we're normal, but a lot of people in their early 40s aren't like pushing their limits athletically. We're not doing anything to write home about. Like there are climbers that can onsite our projects, but and I would just be curious about your take of having your own experience, living your own life and, and not get, and I think it's easier to get caught up in what the narratives are with um, social media these days. Our narratives were from books and magazines and, and <laughs> masters of stone, you know, uh, videos, VHS. But I would just be curious to hear your advice to people of having your own experience and not believing the hype and just seeing, seeing things for yourself. I guess uh, that's a good point. 
that you're not, most people are not willing to just go walking around in the desert and look for your own first ascents. Um, I will also say with a caveat, and we'll probably talk more about this in future conversations, but there's a caveat too that we, our crew got way into replacing anchors out here with the American Safe Climbing Association well before we ever started searching to put up our own new routes. We actually learned how to bolt, drill and bolt, and the proper equipment to use and how to do it safely and all these things. And then we started to get the bug to start looking. But we also were of a dirtbag mindset, too, that we were out here for long periods of time and we would have multiple rest days where our rest days consisted of long hikes in the desert just walking around and going up to these walls, also being mindful of where we walked because none of these walls had trails. Yep. So being mindful of that as well. But checking that stuff out, and we sought out what was for us. We were, I want to be clear that we're not too cool for the main canyon. We're not. Um, We're not too cool to camp in the main canyon. We're not too cool for any of this, but we just found something for us. Now, it isn't ours, but yeah. it, is, it, it is for us. And we're talking like two-hour approaches. Like, I don't think by <laughs> talking about this, we're gonna, anyone's really going to try to emulate it, unless you're that hardcore person who does want to risk your life on a two-hour hike just to get to a wall, <laughs> which we did. <laughs> yeah, which we did many times, but we were in search of something else. But that, uh, folks, that could be generic hand crack yeah. or, or uh, incredible... Um, generic. I, what are they? Yeah. <laughs> Incredible hand crack and generic crack. <laughs> I just lost my whole train of thought. It could be anything. It could be it could be Scarface. We joke that it's the yeah. most abused and photographed route in the creek, but at the same point that could be for you. So Yeah, and I, I don't I, I wanna interrupt you. I am purposely cutting you off here because it's a great point about replacing the anchors and if a bolt looks sketchy and it's moving, it is sketchy and Tim the bolts that you you put glue in, we put them to, on together. We did. You put glue in, glue in bolts on there, very safe for multi-directional um, pulls and top roping. One of the Scarface bolts you could have pulled out with your hand, right? That's exactly right. And on South Six Shooter, Dane pulled out a bolt out by his hand. Exactly. So if you do come across a sketchy bolt um, and you have a – I always carry a wrench. I think most people don't. Um, but a wrench would be a good thing to have in your backpack to tighten it up. Just a small, um, just a small uh, adjustable wrench. Yeah, uh, I carry on my harness on a pretty regular basis if I'm not climbing at the cave wall. Yeah, and shout out to the people who do. We don't have enough time because I want to let Timmy finish his train of thought here. But there are people that replace bolts. It's mostly done through the American Safe Climbing Association. It goes in waves. People get psyched on it for a couple of years, like we did. But Tim's right. Our first descent journeys began by by putting the lightest drill we could have in our pack. First it was a hand drill, and we moved up to some of the lighter power drills, but we would just go up to a crag, and there was a lot of bolts to replace, and you know some of these routes get a lot of traffic, and um, shout out to anyone who's replaced a bolt, but then also if you do want to learn that stuff, um, there are videos, but also try to just find someone who has done it before, before you start placing bolts, before you try to replace, because replacing is even more nuanced than placing. It is. Find and a sandstone is sketchy as fuck to place bolts in. It is, uh, especially, uh, yeah, there's so much nuance. I mean, we could do, we, we could do, do a whole, whole podcast yeah. just about, uh, just, uh, just scratching the surface of what we've learned out here. Um, but uh, I just wanted to finish off with, were we talking about how to find your own creek? Is that yeah? Or just uh, like finding your own experience, and you're saying maybe generic crack is your ultimate experience. Maybe that's your Steve Hong crack. Yeah. Uh, what we're getting at is the only thing that I would say is that experience though is not going to come with um, with the crowds. Um, but there is a time when there's nobody at Super Crack. And Dude, you totally. Can get, uh, and you're the only one there yeah. on um, winter. Winter. Or early or, fall. <laughs> yeah, anyway, there's or, plenty yeah. of times yeah. where you could come out here. But my point is, you will find your time, but you have to seek it. And you can project that route. And that, no, the creek the creek is, to some person's example, is too crowded uh, in the main spring and the main fall seasons. But there's nobody here in the winter. 
ever, and there's so many sunny days. I mean, we're in sunny country. Yeah. Um, and sunny sun. there is also shade walls in the summer where nobody's here. Yep. Um, or the very early spring when you're it's still cold out. You're wearing a down coat, blang, your partner. Yeah. But, folks, don't believe the hype. It's here for you, this place, and, and there's nobody here. The RVers aren't here yet. The yep. UTVs aren't here. The Jeeps aren't here. If you're serious that you want this place and have this experience, you have to you have to you have to work a little harder for it. But it is here and it is worth it. Don't believe the hype. I guess a great place to end on. I know that uh, your lovely girlfriend and is waiting waiting on us to finish this up. You're going to hear more from Tim Folks um, on this podcast. He's a main character in both of the books, which I think is probably you and Marcinowski are only two that are main characters in both of the American Climber and the Desert because the desert is going to be next season but you haven't heard the last of Timmy Folks here um, sorry about that folks and sometimes we call them TFTV and the big Creeksgiving parties back in the day if you were at those um, you might remember TFTV around the campfire we're going to sign off and uh, thanks so much Tim this uh, was fun. It's always a pleasure, and uh, I can't believe we're doing this sitting at our campsite. Oh, also, folks, uh, oh, this is probably going to come out too late. Vote, 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 yeah. vote, vote. <laughs> Word. That was episode 20 of the Dirtbag State of Mind podcast from the Climbing Zine. I am Luke Mihal. Music for this episode was from Ketza. Our digital editor and producer is Chad Rich. After re-listening to this, there was so much more that Tim and I could talk about. And there's more that we will talk about. And for starters, you can also get good information from groups like Friends of Indian Creek or the Access Fund or the American Alpine Club and even the gear shops, uh, especially Pagan Mountaineering. That's my favorite gear shop in Moab. They're going to have some good beta for you, too. But hopefully that'll give people a primer. And even if you've been climbing out there for a while, hopefully you enjoyed that. Signing off for episode 20. We're going to have more bonus material coming at you very soon. Be good to each other at the crags. As Tim said, get out there and vote. Peace. Peace.